and we are live with another edition of the All Gas No Break Sports Show. I am one of your co-hosts, Nicholas Pavona, joined alongside once again by Andrew Johnson. And Andrew, last night we finally crowned a national champion in the college football world as the Michigan Wolverines took down Washington last night in what was pretty much a back-and-forth contest up until the fourth quarter. Michigan getting their first national championship win since 1997. They did it in dominant fashion due to their defense. But overall, they played pretty much very consistent overall on the season. And they come on top with a perfect undefeated regular season and are the champions of college football. Would you say it was back and forth? I, I would like to say this is my would, interpretation. It was back and forth the, the entire national. first half. So, uh, first, no, definitely. I, that first half, I think, this is my interpretation of this game last night. And, um... You can correct me, but this is my interpretation. Interpretation: um, Michigan dominated them the first half. I'm sorry, first quarter. They fell asleep in the second and third quarter, and they dominated them the fourth quarter. I would say more of, I'll agree with you that they, they dominated in the first because they got those two long rushing touchdowns to start And they off. fell asleep. Then they fell asleep, in the, even in the second quarter. They gave that late touchdown before the half. Yeah, they fell asleep. The, I turning, agree. the turning point really for me in the game was the interception that started the second half on the first play. Yep. Or, uh, Michael Penix, because that 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 changed the tides. Because if Washington goes down the field and scores a touchdown, you got a tie game right there, and that gives obviously Washington some new life. But once they throw the interception, that gives Michigan short field. They would eventually kick a field goal to take a double digit lead, and Washington would try their best, but they just couldn't get anything going in the second half against that Michigan defense. And I mentioned it last week on the show. This is probably the best defense. This is by far the best defense they were going to play all season. And that's why I was very concerned for them going into this game because they've had their showing struggles against other Pac-12 teams when it comes to offense. And now you're facing a Big Ten team, you know, defense like Michigan, who's been, you know, consistent and relies on that defense and their running game, which are two big, you know, weaknesses for Washington because you saw Johnson. They could not stop the run game for Michigan in that entire game. Donovan Edwards had 90 yards in, uh, in two rushes pretty much. Two rush, two cool. big rushing touchdowns for him. Blake Corum had two rushing touchdowns and 134 yards. Michigan had two rushing uh, running backs got rushed for 100 yards in the game, and they ran f- as a team for 303 yards. So they 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 literally, you knew what the game plan was going to be for Michigan going into it, and Washington pretty much knew it too. But it didn't matter. Washington just had no chance against that Michigan offensive line. This is what I kind of love about this. Um, this here's just that. Washington had 301 total yards. Michigan had 303 rushing yards. Yep. If Michigan didn't pass the ball for a single yard, their rushing game was better than their overall game, which is insane. Yeah. When you can have 303 rushing yards, why do you even need, need the pass? Michael Penix threw the ball 51 p- times last night. And he got roughed up last night, too. And you know what? It, listen, I, we g- I gave him a lot of credit in that Texas game because... I am a firm believer if he did not have the strongest game of his career against the Texas Longhorns, Texas could have potentially beat Michigan last night. Uh, Because as you saw, if he wasn't throwing those, uh, he was throwing ducks out there. He wasn't throwing dimes. He was, it was a lame duck quarterback last night. He had problems with his accuracy, which is the strongest part of his game where he could hit a receiver in stride from 40 yards out. And he just couldn't do it last night. If he was making the same throws as he was against Texas, I think Washington would have blew Michigan out last night, but that just that simply wasn't the case. 
Yeah, I think it was really what came down to is Washington, remember, their offensive line got the best award for offensive line in offensive lineman in the country this season. And that was an award that was bestowed upon Michigan's offensive line the previous year. So there was a lot to prove for Michigan in this game because they had heard so much about how good this Washington offense has been, the best passing attack in all the nation. And they did a pretty good job of maintaining and containing most of these Washington wide receivers. You talked about it. Penix had 51 pass attempts, 27 completions off of that, threw two interceptions. I mentioned the one that started the second half and pretty much, you know, ruined any momentum that Washington maybe it would have had going into halftime. And then he threw an interception late in the fourth quarter with them down 14. There is a fourth down. So pretty much your game on the line right there. No matter if, if it works, you get the first down, continue the game. You don't get a first down, game's over. Throws an interception, the game was pretty much sealed up from there. And listen, still a valiant effort from Washington. No one really expected them to get to this point in the season, especially going into the year. And they were they got all the way to the national championship game. And now it's going to be an interesting offseason for them because obviously now Penix is going to be going to the NFL draft. They're going to be turning to Will Rogers, the transfer quarterback out of out of Mississippi State. So he's now the next man going in. And keep in mind, they're going to be facing Michigan this upcoming season when they join the Big Ten Conference. So this will not be the first time you see these two teams meet. Now here's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about how um, that Washington offensive line really kind of blew it. Uh, Joe Alt out of out of Notre Dame had has he's had four penalties three years as a starting uh, as a starting offensive lineman. Can you tell me how many offensive how many penalties the offensive line had last night? For there Washington? were a lot. There were a, I don't a know lot the more than four. There was, was a lot I don't more know the four. exact number, but it was a, there was a lot of holdings and false starts that was and that that was another big thing for Washington. That really hurts them because once you get into these holdings and false starts, that ruins any play you had going on and puts you in a situation where you have a lot of second and longs, third and longs, and you're right that that you can't have that happen, especially on that big stage. But yeah, it was a uh, it was a tale of two teams here. And I don't know. Michigan just came to play. I mean, you have to give uh, you have to give Harbaugh a lot of credit. He's done everything at this point. Now he's led his alma mater to a uh, national championship, the highest it's been in over twenty five years. Yep. Michigan did not trail one time at the half this entire season. Last team to do that was the cha- uh, was the national championship Miami uh, Hurricanes back in the early two thousands. Hmm. Another tidbit here. Michigan had five uh, f- five offensive turnovers on the season. Do you want to pinpoint the game where they had the most turnovers? We were asking me which game that had that happened in. Yeah, you, you could say maybe Ohio. Well, maybe it's I, Ohio State. Maybe it's Iowa. I thought it was. The, was it not the Bama game? It was not the Bama game. They had so four was, offensive tur- uh, turnovers in one game. Was it in conference play or no? It was not in conference play. Really? It was early in the season, the third week of the season, Saturday, September 16th, when Michigan defeated Bowling Green 31-6. But J.J. McCarthy had a three-pick day and a one-fumble day. Wow. And for the year, no one else fumbled on this team, and J.J. McCarthy only threw one interception the rest of the season. That's a stat I did not. I had no idea about. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a fun one. I wanted to kind of surprise you and the listeners, and it shows you how dominant this team was when they had the ball. When they had the ball, that was it. They were going to score, punt, 
uh, or, or kick a field goal. They were not going to turn the ball over. Right. That's why they ninety percent of the battle in college in college football. And that's why they were they were a big time ground and pound team. I mean, when you have Corm and Donovan Edwards, a great one two punch like that, it's really tough to beat a team like that in a season. And Michigan, you know, we knew what their mentality was going into this season. It was going to be a lot of that ground and pound. McCarthy can make throws when needed be, and that's pretty much what they happened in not only the entire regular season, but in this college football playoff. You saw it against Alabama. McCarthy had to make some big throws down the stretch of that game to get them into position to score the game tying touchdown. And in this game, he made a couple of good throws to get Michigan into position to get those rushing touchdowns. And sure enough, they would get those rushing touchdowns and they would get to extend their lead over Washington. And they just looked dominant overall in this game for the most part. Washington, as I mentioned, made it a one possession game before halftime, but Michigan just looked like the way the, the better team overall on paper, and that's why I was really concerned with Washington going into this game. I just figured the experience of this team, considering that they were in the college football playoff last year and the heartbreak that they experienced last year because of it, they were going to come out on top in this game and finally get that national championship that has eluded them for, as you mentioned, 20-plus years. Yeah, so great for the Michigan Wolverines, and now we look towards the next year, though. Who do you think is going to be a contender next year in the 12-bracket college football playoffs? Well, I guess before we move into this, uh, I think it's quite fitting that Ohio State was the first winner of this iteration of the college football players, and Michigan was the last. Yeah, that, it's a it's a very fun stat. But before we I, I ask you that, you asked me that, Johnson. I have to ask you about Jim Harbaugh before we go into that. What He'll do you be a think? Charger. You think he's going to be going to the NFL? And you know what? If he's not going to be, what does he have left to accomplish in uh, in Michigan? I mean, that was the only thing he could accomplish. So he got That's it done. It. He he. It's like he lifted the curse of the Pharaoh in Michigan. Like a, a program that was so poverty stricken for twenty years, he came then he came there and almost instantly turned them overnight, turned the program into a national contender once again, and brought them to the greatest height they've been in, in this millennium. So there's nothing left for him to accomplish. I think he wants to go back to the NFL and kind of finish his unfinished business there and win it when a Super Bowl. That's the only thing that has has eluded him yeah. in his career so far. And listen, if, if if it was to be a team like the Chargers, I mean that's it's a pretty good game to go into considering And not to and not to allude into uh into our football episode which will be uh which will be next coming up after this, but there's a certain coach if Jim Harbaugh does not get, go to the Chargers. There's another coach that was recently fired, which I would want to be the Charger head coach. I'd be calling him right now. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot to talk about at the uh, the NFL world. Uh, a lot of playoff talk. Some coaches were fired. There's still some coaches that we haven't heard from yet that might still be getting uh, fired in the next couple of days. So that's definitely something to want to tune into in our next edition of the All Gas No Break Sports Show when we discuss Week 18 of the NFL football season and a preview of the Super Wild Card and all the uh, playoff preview. But yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the next couple of weeks with Harbaugh. I think, I believe that was probably his last game coaching at Michigan, and I agree with you. I would tend to think that he, if he's going to go to a team, it's going to be a team that also has a GM opening. Because if you remember when he left the 49ers, he wanted control over decision-making with the team. So I think any team right now that has a GM opening and a head coach opening, that could be a, a sight to see for Harbaugh to go to the NFL. And sure enough, the Chargers are one of those teams. So there is a good chance that maybe it could happen. 
Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I can't I can't wait to see what, what actually happens, but yeah. Um, but now going back I to guess, your question. Let's go talk about the teams next year. Who do you think is going to be a surprise team in that 12-man format? Um, I personally am of the belief that the the championship should be determined each year by the winner of the Ohio State-Michigan game and the winner of the SEC championship. To me, these are the only two team, only two conferences or only two teams that can compete on a national level each year. It seems like every time we have a non-Michigan-Ohio uh, State or non-SEC team outside of Clemson for those couple of years, they just seem that they can't compete in my opinion, whether it's um, and no, no offense to any of these teams, so if it's like a TCU or God forbid, it would have been Florida State this year. None of these teams seems like they can, they can compete on national level outside of these teams. I would tend to think that Bama and Georgia are most likely going to be the favorites again, just because they have a quarterback situation where we know what the quarterback is going to be next season. You're getting Carson Beck back for Georgia. Milrow is coming back for Alabama. The teams that in question are all teams that have quarterback, you know, we don't know what their situation is. Ohio State, they lost Kyle McCord. Texas, they who knows what's going on with Quinn Ewers. If, maybe if he leaves, then finally Arch Manning gets his opportunity. Michigan, we don't know what the status is of J.J. McCarthy. Oregon, they have a new quarterback in Dylan Gabriel. So he's, he's definitely experienced from Oklahoma. Now he goes to the Big Ten in Oregon. Who knows? LSU just lost Jaden Daniels. They, these are just some of the, t- the top teams that are favored in going into next season in terms of odds makers for the national title. And then Florida State, as you mentioned, they obviously won't have Jordan Travis because of his being him going on to greater pastures. I think he was a senior going into the season, so he was done anyway. So it really, for me, comes, I think it's really going to come down to Alabama and Georgia. I, I, maybe I could be wrong. I could be completely wrong, but that just seems to be the way. I don't disagree with you in the SEC championship, Mark. I think. Now you're adding Al, you know, you're adding Texas and Oklahoma to that mix in the SEC, so that will make things a lot more interesting going into next year. But I think that's why everything next season is, you know, kind of a question mark. All this conference realignment. Now you have the new format with 12 teams. It could be who knows any any given Saturday or Sunday, who knows what happens during these games. You could see a major upset. You're going to have a lot of these teams that are fighting for the playoff pretty much beating each other up because now they're in the same conference with each other. So I would say for me that it's a lot of uncertainty with it, but I actually like that there's a lot of uncertainty with it because it makes for good television. Oh, it makes for excellent television. Can you imagine a 12 seed upsetting a one seed? Not in the, that would be kind of insane. Can you imagine like Georgia losing to Liberty? That's a real possibility. Yeah. And uh, listen, uh, who knows what the, um, what how it's going to all unfold down next season when it comes down to it. Because I think at the end of the day, you're going to look at this, you know, this what we just had in the 14 playoff and say, you know what, we had a great run with this, but now we're going into this with the with the college football. I mean, it's 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 going to be really fun. Because I'm trying to think if you look at how the format I think goes into next season, you obviously are now adding more bowl games to the semifinals and you know the the first round, the second rounds and all that stuff. And that helps those bowl, that you know those sponsors for the bowl games too. So that's a big thing for them. But keep in mind when you do this new bracket, the first four teams all get a bye week for their first round matchups. So you would be having a 12 and a 5 and 11 and a 6, a 10 and a 7 and a 9 and 8 play each other. Kind of like how the NFL does it for their playoff format. 
So and the four, the first four teams get to wait to see who they play in the next round. So according to Sports Illustrated betting, uh, these are the top twelve teams in order to win the national championship. So first would be Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, Texas. Those are your four. So those are the four that would have to buy. Then the at large teams would be Michigan, Oregon, LSU, Ole Miss, Florida State, Penn State, Notre Dame, and the Texas A and M Aggies. Go Aggies! But keep in mind, there's in a in a, in a realistic chance there's no way those all those teams make it because they're going to each cancel each other out and beat each other up during the season. Right. These are this. I'm sorry, that, that was 13. Excuse me. Notre Dame yeah. would be the last team in a 12. I want to throw the Aggies in there just because they're 13. Because why not go Aggies? Yeah, they can get. Hey, listen, if they could ease, they it, it really it comes down to can they finally get the 12, over the hump? It's not hard bad. to be. This is going to sound like an asinine statement, but it's not hard to be the 12th best team in the country. It is very hard to be the 12th best team in the country, but when you're in position. Getting 12 is a very easy goal when you're one of those top 15 teams. Does that make sense? No, I, I get what you And it, it gives opportunities to not only that, but it also gives opportunities to the, you know, the non-group of five, like the power, like all those teams now will have an opportunity. Whether it's a Coastal Carolina, a Liberty, right. a San Diego State, a Nevada, whoever, Wyoming had a pretty good run for about 15 minutes here. Hey, maybe even Army-Navy comes back because you know what? We never know what their roster looks like. Yeah. I, I That's why I, That's why I'm very intrigued by this format because it leads me to thinking that there's going to be all these teams saying, oh, look, we lost one game. Like, usually when you look at college football, you lose one or two games, that's your season. That's it. That's it. You have no chance. But now you lose one or two games, you actually have a ops, uh, still have an opportunity. There, hell, there could be a team that loses three games this upcoming hey, season Nick, that could maybe make it. Do you think that four-loss Colorado was snubbed from the fo- football playoffs? <laughs> I'm telling you, that's going to... I really be... think that four-loss USC deserved to make the playoffs. <laughs> that might be a situation where you might have... And you're laughing at this, but it's it. it's funny because it's a joke, but you're right. It's going to be it a real happen. situation. You could have morons on the internet. Well, on the internet, going like, you know, five lost Rutgers is really a contender this year. No, they're not. <laughs> they lost five games this year. What makes you think they're going to win the national championship? Yeah, ridiculous. I, I can't. I can't. I, I would be stunned if there was like even a, a chance for a four loss team to even make it. But oh, there's going to be some four. No, because there will be. Because think about it, a team like Texas A and M. That if they have like wins, let's say. Miracle season, like it's happened a couple of years ago when they beat Alabama. Towards the end of the season, they had four losses, and I think they were like fifteen or sixteen. So, like, it will. It's not too far out of a possibility that a four-loss team could make it, especially of the SEC. Yeah, it would really have to depend on who you beat and your resumes and stuff like that, and then what. Oh the yeah, other because teams you, around you again, done. you could have a team like A and M. Oh, they have a, a victory over you know. Let's say we have victories over Texas and Alabama, which both of which have happened in the past. And then they lose to like okay, they lose to Old Miss, South Carolina, and Arkansas. Yeah, it's definitely possible. I don't know, but I'm telling you right now, I'm I'm very excited for it. I mean, th- we had a really good season this year at college. Football. I think it's gonna save. I think it will save the bowl season too. I'm telling. It's gonna help the bowl games because you're gonna add teams. Like, you're adding, you know, these new, like these bowl games that we've known, like that are, have been traditional, like. You know, New Year's Six Bowls. Cotton Bowl. Or, sugar yeah, exactly. Bowl. You're adding the Cotton Bowl. You're adding the Sugar Like, the Sugar Bowl, obviously, and the Rose Bowl, the Peach Bowl, they, those have all already been there. 
But now adding the Cotton Bowl gives him more prestige than it already had. And it gives like, you know, it, it provides an experience to see what happens because you're going to have all these tickets. Remember, you're not only playing one game at these bowls. You're going to be playing multiple games because the format that they have is you're going to have the quarterfinals at the Fiesta, Peach, Rose, and Sugar Bowl. The semifinals would be in the Cotton Bowl and the Orange Bowl. That's in 2024. And then the next season, they would flip it where the Cotton Bowl, the Orange, the Rose, and the Sugar Bowl get the quarters, and the semis are the Fiesta and the Peach Bowl. So these bowl games will essentially be having a lot of you know exposure. Don't they hope they add in the future? I really hope that every year the semifinals are the Cheez-It Bowl and the Pop-Tart Bowl. The that Pop-Tart be... Bowl needs it. Listen, the, ch- the Pop-Tart Bowl and the Cheez-It Bowl is what the fans want. I Pop-Tart just wanna... Bowl was the really... It was the highest viewed... Non New Year Six bowl game this year, so marketers out there, you want to make. I know this is all about making money at the end of the day. Yeah, that's what people will be watching because they want to see goofy. They want to see goofy things like the pop top ma- mascot. I'm sorry, they want to see the cheese it mascot. They want to see these goofy bowl games. All I'm saying is that in the next NCAA football game, which by the way I was very upset that they didn't uh, release the date during that game because they were the rumor was that it was going to be released during the game, but it never happened. Anyway, I'm hoping in that next edition of the game, when it finally comes back, I hope to see mascots facing each other off again like it used to be in the old NCAA Blade games, and I want the Pop-Tart mascot to face the cheese and mascot. Wow, that'd be, that'd be something. That would uh, I would pay extra dollar just for that to happen. One whole dollar? More, Maybe more than a, a whole dollar, but you know what I'm getting at. I'd pay a I know, lot. I'd, I know. I'd, 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 pay, I'd pay a lot to see that happen. I'd pay a premium it. to play. I'd pay. I, I would pay a premium to have a mascot only mold. Uh, yeah. Mascot only mold where you could have the cheese it mascot as the uh, as the quarterback and run a Philly special. So the so the pop tart mascot is actually the holder. Yeah. And they're gonna be throwing it to the pop. Then we're getting really off track here now. I know we are. That's that happens here on the show sometimes. It happens. But before we wrap up this college football edition of the final edition of this college football season for this year, um, is there anything else you're looking forward to going into next season? And what are you expecting to look for? I'm looking forward to the rise of Northeastern football, hopefully led by Rutgers. I want Greg Sh- Northeastern. Oh, North. Okay. I thought you meant, I thought you meant like Northeastern, like the university. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Northeastern as the region. So okay, uh, okay. New York, New Jersey, yes. uh, Pennsylvania. I mean, they already have Penn State, so they're really not them. New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, New England. Uh, the rise of Northeastern football led by Rutgers. I want Greg Schiano to get eight, eight or nine wins. Uh, they had a great season this season. Uh, get some great wins this season, especially over Miami in the uh, – in the pinstripe bowl should have been cues, but that's besides the point. Yeah, yeah. Looking forward to Texas A&M. Looking forward to my Aggies. Looking forward to another competitive SEC season. I'm looking forward to not really the expansion of these conferences because I think it's a pl- it's a plight on the sport. Um, but I'm looking forward to see what actually happens. I want to see what happens with the Pac-12 too. I really hope they can take the Mountain West over. And this is kind of kind of get a little bit off topic here, but with how well the Mountain West has been doing in football. Uh, in, in basketball, excuse me, I think that a merger between the Pac-2, which is really just Oregon State and Washington State now, and the Mountain West is becoming more inevitable, especially I, if a school... Seems like it. Yeah, listen, the Mount, I know we're, this is a college football uh, show, but as we're going out of college football, this is probably one of our last college football episodes for a while now. We'll yeah. talk more about NCAA basketball. And Mountain West basketball has been great this year so far. 
right now they've got five teams projected being the tournament. In each one of these teams, I think it'd be the power, um, another one of the power five or power six in college basketball. I don't know how much you've been paying attention to. Oh, but, I have been. But I, the average person it doesn't look at the Mountain West. Utah State, Nevada, both fourteen and one. San Diego State, thirteen two. Boise State, ten and four. Colorado State, thirteen and two. New Mexico, thirteen two. Right now, they have five teams in in the tournament, and Boise State's on the bubble. That's more than the ACC right now, and more than the Pac twelve. So right now, they're the fourth best conference there is. So if you know what, if it's going to come, and their football programs aren't half bad either. Notice that I didn't even say Fresno State and Wyoming, which have stronger football programs. You know, San Diego State and Boise State sometimes make a run for it. Colorado State's not really bad. But I really think that this merger can really can really happen, especially after the college hoop season. Because if it can gain gain that regional power in uh in college hoops, it's eventually gonna trickle up up to football. So yeah. here's to a uh a revitalized Pac twelve next season. That's what I'm looking forward to in during the offseason. Once even Mountain West and the Pac-12 really merge together. And you would hope that they that they would try to get that merger done if it were to happen before this college football season comes up. So, Yeah, you don't want we'll to having to you don't want independence right now. That's got, that could be the death of these programs. Yeah. All I'm going to look forward to is to seeing if Syracuse can uh, have a better season than they did this year. I, have a, I hate it, Johnson, because I'm going to set myself up for failure, but I'm loving what so far they've done for me as a fan. In this You'll offseason. win six games and go to a bowl game and be Most happy likely. about it. Most likely. Most likely. Yeah, I mean, Kyle McCord, I mean, who knows? Maybe maybe he proves me wrong. I had my doubts with him at Ohio State, but now I have to root for him this year. But Fred Brown's doing oh, good recruiting-wise. We've done really good recruiting, and we've been I pretty mean, busy hey, listen, on the transfer portal. I'm not a Syracuse fan, but it'd be good for Northeastern football. Yeah, that would help Northeastern football, so... Well, I, I'm curious to see how that happens, but I'm, all, I'm just looking forward to this conference realignment and all of the, you know, the new playoff format and how it's going to turn out. But now you got me excited for college basketball as well. And I'm sure we'll be covering that in just a couple of weeks because we're getting just a little bit closer, Johnson, to March Madness. So who knows? About a quarter of the way through conference play and two months from now, start of March Madness. And I know we want to talk about our St. Johnny's and the Red Storm so far is the strongest start of the year. So hopefully they can continue that going in the next couple of weeks. But I think for now, Johnson, I think that's going to do it for our final edition of this year's college football season here on the All Gas No Break Sports Show. Congratulations to the Michigan Wolverines on winning their first national championship since 1997 with their win over Washington. Valiant effort from the Huskies, but they just were not able to get it done. We'll have to see now how they will fare in Big Ten play next season when they join the conference in, the, in all of their collegiate sports. And we'll see if Michigan can repeat and try to go back-to-back with or without Jim Harbaugh. This has been Nicholas Pavono, joined alongside by Andrew Johnson with the All Gas and Outbreak Sports Show. Have a great rest of your night and stay tuned for our NFL episode.